0: Welcome to Lock and Key Unlocked, a podcast about Lock and Key on Netflix, as well as the comic books by Joe Hill and Gabriel Rodriguez. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And we have a special guest for you on this episode, one of the showrunners of Lock and Key on Netflix, Meredith Averall. Meredith, welcome. welcome. So excited to have
1: you. I am so excited to be here as a Fan of your podcast. Oh, Whoa,
2: that. That. What? yeah.
1: What? I have listened to many, almost all of the episodes. And oh, wow. I mean, first of all, I'm just tickled that there is a podcast that does a deep dive on our episodes, yeah. but uh, it just it, it, in general, but also the fact that you are all fans of the comic and have just like completely embraced that our show is something different, but yeah. But also that you appreciate, you know, what we tried to do, which is keep the the heart of the comic there that Jay, that Joe and Gabriel created. So I've just really enjoyed listening to the episodes, even when you're making fun of things that don't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we all, we love the show
2: and all these characters yeah. so much that yeah. anytime we're making fun, it's only lovingly.
1: I know, and yeah. that, and, I, and that completely comes across. And there are times when I'm like you know, maybe they do have a point here. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, I would like to say that's it's so great to hear because uh, not only... Because it's this thing of, like, the comic book is so amazing, and as somebody who loves something, you get a little worried about, like, what's going to happen it when it transitions to a TV show or whatever, and it's done with, like you said, in such a great way that takes the heart of what it is and makes its own choices because, yeah, we want to see something new, exciting with the things we love, and it does such a great job of it and is been so enjoyable to watch, especially season two. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Then as uh, fans of the comic book and as people who know, uh, you know, Joe Hill and Gabriel Rodriguez, those two creeps uh, it's great to see what (laughs) you've kind of done with what they started.
1: Uh, Thank you. That truly is the highest praise. And that's exactly what Carlton and I, you know, set out to try to do. And so that you kind of get that intention is, huge and awesome. But I do feel that I have to set the record straight on something.
3: Good. Okay, here we go.
1: I've had sleepless nights. I'm really glad we get a chance to talk about this. Mm. Kinsey does not have her own bathroom.
0: <laughs> oh, <wow>. <laughs> <laughs> I mean,
2: who's who's sharing that bathroom? It's beautiful. beautiful. Jack
1: and Jill bathroom. There's two doors. One goes into Tyler's uh, bedroom and one goes into Kinsey's oh. I mean, I can't tell you the The time. Jack and Jill.
2: (laughs) And let me say, we did dedicate more time than I expected to talking about the bathroom floor plan. And It is also
1: garbage. The garbage plate discussion. I appreciated. One of our writers is from Rochester. Um, (laughs) But but, you know, Scott is not going to Rochester, New York. He's yes, no. uh, We no. Sadly, no garbage plates in his future. Well, they no, have, they, I believe,
0: Pete, you're probably the expert. They have like a fancier, more English, more British yes. garbage plate. You can't a take play, garbage right?
3: plate and make it fancier. It's not It's <laughs> then something it's not supposed to be. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, I did want to ask you about something that happened
0: recently before we jump in and talk season two. Uh, this actually happened yesterday. Britney Spears posted about (laughs) your show big fan of lock and key what was that moment like when you found out it was
1: amazing my uh assistant um my toronto assistant sent me the link on instagram like seven minutes after britney posted it or something and was like did you know about this and i you know it's a very long meandering kind of post of britney's as she's does sometimes and then at the very end for her to be like holy crap have you guys seen lock and key it's pretty great i'm like can we put that on the poster first (laughs) britney Spears says it's pretty great (laughs) um that was amazing and so the full hashtag i
2: believe was free britney so she can watch lock and key (laughs) for the movement
1: i was pretty special and random and you know she has an outreach to so many people so I'm you know it'd be great if that kind of opens up the show to uh to some of her fans but I'm thrilled that she watches it
0: <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. I kind of want to know what her favorite key is at this Oh my point. god. I, Ooh, like I just have so
1: be. many questions. I just want to yeah. be a fly on the wall watching her watch it. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. You
3: know, that would be <laughs> now good. to jump into segments of this. Would it be the music box key? Alright, um, sorry. I don't know. I have <laughs> a very it obscure Britney... head key.
1: I feel like she'd yeah. like the trippy head sequences, right? Ooh,
0: yeah. Really? I mean my, everybody loves that. My yeah. very obscure Britney Spears joke is she would like the luck key. Nobody gets that. There's a I, song she had called "Lucky." lucky
1: I,
2: yeah, Lucky. Oh,
0: I see what you did there. Okay, I okay.
1: see. I see you, Alex. I appreciate.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: we should cross over with your Britney podcast. Alex. That's just you so alone. That's kind of my that. thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay.
0: Okay. Uh, let's actually season jump in and talk about season two because. Yeah. Uh, Obviously, the season is great, but I'm curious about the process of structuring it, given that you already had season three in the offing. That's already been filmed at this point. Did you write them both back to back, or how did you approach the structure in general to both of those seasons, I guess?
1: Um, Well, we started the writer's room for season two about actually like two years ago this time, Um, and we had our season two writer's room from like October through Uh, April of 2020 Mm -hmm. and so during the entirety of that room we didn't know the fate of whether or not there would be a season three. We wrote season two and broke season two not knowing you know if we were going to get a season three and then uh, right at the tail end of our writer's room Netflix picked us up for season three. Um, Uh, That's got to be so
2: satisfying.
1: (laughs) I mean especially as we were everyone was Holding up in home for the pandemic it was nice to know like okay well now I have something to do (laughs) (laughs) Um, and we had to do the all of our writers room uh for season three over zoom and we did that um all last summer so I think we started in June of 2020 and we finished right around this time last year so I mean there were pros and cons of having it done that way I mean the The con is that there's always something nice about being able to watch the episodes and learn from them and say, okay, we know now maybe next season we wanna do a little more of this. Like, Like for example, after we watched all of season one, we felt like Aaron Ashmore was so terrific and we just wanted to write more for him. And, you know, we always knew we wanted to tell more of a Duncan story, but it was so hard in season one because the real estate, but uh, you know, being able to see those episodes. It was like, Oh, there was a craving to like, want to tell more Duncan stories. Mm-hmm. So you don't have the benefit of like, we didn't get to watch all of season two, all of those, you know, cut together episodes and say, okay, now we know what season three is going to be. Cause season three was already written by that time. Mm-hmm. Um, but the pro of it and it ended up being like a huge pro was that as we were breaking season three and, you know, certain stories, we were like, Oh, it'd be great to drop this nugget in season two. That's going to pay off in season three. We were able to do that, which you wouldn't normally be able to do because season two would have already been shot. So it was nice in that way that we feel they're almost like of a piece, um, the two seasons, because we broke, we broke them and wrote them of a piece. Um, So that that was sort of, it's a very like unique thing that like Carlton is always like, this is, it's almost like we're making a network show of 22 episodes in a row um, because we had like no break there. Um, But I think it did work to our advantage.
2: Well, and especially with uh, from a villain standpoint, I feel like going into season three where we are at the end of season two is super exciting. And we already, like what a great turn, I think, and surprise. And it feels like season two is like, Hey, you just took on Junior Varsity. (laughs) Well, buckle up, because now it's varsity time. Yeah, Uh, This guy's
3: terrifying. (laughs) Yeah, that's the thing. Like, we got, in season two, like, there was some really amazing emotional things. Like, that Rufus stuff had me bawling. Like, (laughs) unbelievable touching moments. But then it's like, I'm very scared for season three. I'm really (laughs) worried (laughs) about how this is all going to go down.
1: I'm oh, good. Yeah. I mean, it was important to us, I think because Carlton's experience working on The Strain, which I didn't get to watch all of, but I know, my understanding is that there was like one singular villain the entire series. And his lesson from that was that it it's hard when you just have one villain throughout the same series. Like you want to kind of mix it up. Like, you know, Buffy obviously did that really well. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we wanted to introduce a new villain that wouldn't be like so separate from our mythology. Like the demon that inhabits Gideon still comes from the same place as Dodge. So there's a connection there. It all kind of ties together but it was important to us to kind of just mix up the energy of the show. Like we even have that from season one and season two, like Lysla's Dodge is so different than Griffin's Dodge. Um, And I think that's a good, a good thing. I mean, people are obviously going to have preferences You know, but at the same time, I do think like mixing up the energy of the show is so important so that you're you know, the the villain doesn't keep feeling kind
0: of stale. Well, I really appreciate And we talked about this quite a bit coming from the comic books, expecting, okay, it's going to be Dodge long term. You go 50 seasons, it's still Dodge to get to that natural ending point that you reached at the end of season two, where it was like, okay, we've done what we need to do at this stage with Dodge and moving on to a bigger, better threat. You could feel that as a viewer, and even though I was very thrown by the end, yeah. uh, I liked it at the same You're time. Almost it like you were exciting. dropped
3: uh, on your head uh, all the yeah, way yeah. to the bottom. Like <laughs> into, into a right dark, area. cold, wet place. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I, I do want to just take a quick step back and ask you about going from season two or three to three. I don't know if you can talk about this at all. My suspicion has been, it's partially because Jackson, Robert Scott is rapidly getting taller that you needed to do the back to back, <laughs> but did that play into the decision at all? Or was it just Netflix was <laughs> into the show and they wanted to go from season two to season three?
1: I don't think it had anything to do specifically with Jackson. I mean, that was really helpful because, and you'll see, when you see season three, like I can't believe how much he's grown. (laughs) Um, It's crazy, but I think it was more just, and it was great for us because Toronto became very, very busy with productions. So the fact that our crew got to continuously work, otherwise we would have completely lost our crew um, because they would have gone on to other shows. For Netflix, it's all, you know, it's, they're looking at a, the, the money of it, and it was much che- cheaper to be able to just keep our stages, keep our crew working, rather than, I think, release them and, mm-hmm. you know, and see what happens. So I think for them, it just, it, financially, I think it made a lot of sense. I'm sure there was discussion about the Jackson of it, but that definitely didn't drive it. Um, so I think for them it just like made a lot more sense to just kind of keep grinding through it if they knew for sure that they already wanted the show for another two seasons. Um, so I don't think it was specifically Justin, but it does it, <laughs> help, it did help us.
0: They have a, they have a wall at Netflix where, where with his height chart, and they're like, we got to move yeah, on. We got to go. We got to go. go. Yeah, like,
1: we got to <laughs> learn the lessons from Stranger Things, guys. <laughs> <laughs> come on. Yeah.
0: Nobody Who wants
2: these fight. stretched out kids. We got to yeah. get them when they're tiny. <laughs>
0: Uh, Let's talk about some of the specific arcs. I loved Tyler's arc over the course of the season. It was so emotional and so wonderful. And talking about what you were mentioning earlier in terms of learning things from the first seasons, it really seems like you leaned into Connor Jessup's talents in terms of an actor, in terms of a dramatic actor. And he was really wonderful here. Uh, What what overall was your take from it? What was the goal in terms of Tyler's arc?
1: Yeah, I mean, 100% Connor Jessup, is tremendous and we you know really wanted to write to his range and his abilities and that was actually the very first story that Carlton and I started talking about when we were just like completely just blue skying season two what would we want to see was knowing that we wanted to tell the story of him approaching 18 and what that might do to him and then how, you know, pulling Jackie and her story into that um, and wanting Tyler to get to a place because so much of the show is, and the comic too, I think, is about trying to learn from the past and trying to make different decisions and in um, sometimes making different decisions, it, it, even though you're trying to do, the right thing it just ends up screwing you in the end <laughs> um uh and you know it's you know us trying you know, trying to right the wrongs of our yeah of, from generations past um which i think is a really universal theme and so you know tyler and his relationship with his father uh i always found from the comics and even in season one like it's is a a really complicated relationship. And, and, you know, when Connor and Bill played those scenes in season one, I thought they were really effective. So we really wanted to dig in a little bit deeper to that relationship and have him get to a place where he was going to decide he was going to make a different decision than his dad. And that's really, you know, that moment with the hat. And I'm so glad you called out that moment um, because it's just a small thing in the finale when he decides not to take the hat with them. That's, you know, those moments really are important to us. Um, and you know, so that was really the first story that we started building season two on, and then kind of dovetailed a lot of other stories around it, like the Aaron story and the Duncan story. And um, but uh yeah, I agree with you. I think it, it came out so well, and that's like largely due to how tremendous Connor is and Genevieve, frankly, too. That scene in the in the woods it just
2: like kills me oh so yeah, sad I know. so upsetting to even think about now and <laughs> even down to like the there's a shot of just his hand like shaking and you don't like really call attention to it all those little details like that's what really gets me and it feels almost comic book. i felt like a panel from a comic yeah, book in a way yeah. um it was that something you which guys is hard were, oh, to let's try to do
3: the do that. Yeah. shaking yeah
1: yeah, no, for sure. And I know and we talked to when we first started talking to Joe about what the stories were going to be for season 2, he was like, "Oh man, that's so smart to do a story about someone a- rapidly approaching that age and what it might do to them because you know, he, you know it's it's been nice this conversation that we are always having with Joe and Gabriel about, you know, things that excite them about stories that we're telling that they, you know, think about wanting to now infuse in future um in future comics that they're doing um Ooh. but
2: uh so. <laughs> <laughs> well I mean sort of in that this is a little bit off talking about the um story of the characters from this season but like you've eaten up a lot of the comic book um uh, so which is a very exciting uh, uh for me as a viewer but does that mean you're fully out of sort of that world or are you still gonna be going back and digging into some of the the newer comic book stories or elements of the original series?
1: Um oh no, there's still there's still fun to come. There's still <laughs> fun to come from those comics. We still got some stories, you know. Uh, you know, the, the flock of sparrows, you know, is it ah. random.
2: Yeah, random.
1: Okay. Nothing is random in the show. There everything has a purpose. Um I knew it. No, I mean, there's definitely still uh, things from the comic that are to come. Uh, We haven't really dipped into the sort of ancillary, like Mm -hmm. world war key comics as much, just because it's you know they take place in different time time periods. Um, So not as much, but the in the main, in the main from the main six, there's still some stories to come for
3: sure. Nice. All right. Uh, Well, uh, go ahead, Pete. I was just going to say, like, you you know, Nina, in comparison to the comic book to the TV show, she has a little bit of an easier time, which is great. <laughs> but also what's really impressive I mean, is... just
0: comparatively, not to jump on you, Pete, but, like, she has legitimately the worst time possible in the comic book, so
3: it's only yep. up for yeah. that. <laughs> She's
1: up. drunk through it. She's drunk yeah. through it the whole time, so yeah. it's fine.
3: <laughs> um, but also what's very cool about... The show versus the comic is, you know, you know, there's this whole thing about growing up and what's doing right, like you mentioned, but also like having the innocence of the kind of like a child that kind of cuts through the crap a little bit, like Bodhi being able to be like, what is everybody doing? Like, let's get it together. We need a plan, (laughs) like having uh, someone who's younger, but also just like. Uh, the voice of reason is such a great choice and then the boat Bodhi Nina stuff that we got at the end of the season was so magical and compared to like um, what happened with the comic was was such a cool con- can you talk a little bit about like how what the choices were with that or
1: oh thank you yeah I mean we love that boat that you know and I see the comment a lot of times from people are like why doesn't anyone Everyone just Fucking listen to Bodhi. Yeah.
2: I mean, uh, 100%. He knows like, what's up from the jump. Because
1: yeah. then the show would be over. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, you're
2: not going to listen to the younger brother. Like, oh, okay. yeah. Come
1: on, guys. Come on. Um, yeah, no, we, we love that he is the voice of reason and that, you know, and Jackson plays all of that so well. And it was great to be able to give him more kind of more dimension and more to do this season. I mean, mm-hmm. I think like, Even from the first episode where he's like overhearing the Mutuku Nina um, scene, talking about how Ellie is going to be declared dead and he's crying like that, like Jackson just played that so well. And all the stuff with Duncan, you know, when Duncan like throws him out of his room and, you know, it was great to be able to give. Um, Jackson a lot more to do and because he's he is growing up I mean, the actor's 13 now, he's a teenager Wow He going to yeah. start shaving him by the end <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, He's got a little dirt on his upper lip Just a little dirt um, gotta, The mustache key, you gotta unlock that <laughs> <laughs> the, the puberty key
0: <laughs> But uh,
1: yeah, I mean, his relationship with Nina becomes even more complicated in season 3, I would say Um. Uh-oh. So that's definitely an arc that we're we just kind of started in season 2 and Know his decision at the end to presumably, presumably uh, memory key her, you know, is a big one. Um, and that journey he takes with her into her head, I think, is so special. Uh,
3: Oh, just balling my uh, eyes out.
1: Oh, my god. Anytime that Bill Heck is on screen, he just (sighs) like he Rendell has so much presence in the show because he, like, is the show, right? So, anytime he's anytime we get to, we get to show him and, you know, I think it was, it made sense for us not to have him for so much of season two and that he just appears in that head key scene with Nina, but you will see oh. more of him in season four. We got idea. very just,
2: close to seeing the tempest scene. Oh yes, I uh, felt like uh, in this really season. You really
1: want that tempest scene? Oh, yeah, he does. I mean, to me,
2: well, I will say from the comics and as a fan, it, it was there. It's oh. their moment when they finally had it all together. He's a classically uh, trained actor. He's I'm a classic of the stage, stage. You know, you like know he's... Shakespeare is truly <laughs> the original poet when you think about it. And um, I just think we need to touch. Uh, but it, it felt like that was their sort of uh, time of power in yes. that play. And yeah. it feels like as we move through the, 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 our modern, our new lock families, sort of moments of power, which I think the end of this season is they, it's so hard for them through so much of the show. They only have a couple peak moments. It'd be great to see Rendles.
1: I, I, I agree. We always used to joke in the writer's room that like the keepers, like they had all of these unbelievable magical keys at their disposal. Like they could, they could be gods. They could do mm-hmm. anything. And they're sitting around being like, what should we use these keys for? And they're like, let's use them to make our play really good.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel it. They're <laughs> community theaters. sense because
1: you're like, well, Kinsey uses them to make her movie really good too. Yeah. So History yeah. is repeating itself. And it was, but, it was real. Um, but no, I hear you on the importance of The Tempest and and that's not something we ignore and that is something that you'll hear more about in season three. And it's important to just because it helps illustrate like what we're seeing also in the present too. this parallel of like, yeah, they did use these keys for super fun things that were very innocent, very innocent, like putting on a really awesome play and putting on a really awesome splattering. But then you see how they kind of distort people and how it really distorted Rendell. And so uh, it is an important part of the show. So you'll, There may be more Tempest in season
0: three. Uh, Let's talk about Kinsey while we're going through the characters. I love her arc over the course of the season because you start her, I I think the first time we see her is when she's in that swan boat, literally living inside of her head. And by the end, she's not just the most physical character confronting Dodge on her own or mostly on her own, but also just ultimately becoming the keeper of the keys when Tyler gives it to her. So what went into an overall crafting that arc for her?
1: Yeah. I mean, we love just, taking her from in season one, this like scared, you know, anxiety ridden girl who hid under the table when Sam Lesser attacked to, you know, her decision to remove her fear and why, how that felt awesome, but also how that was, uh, was destructive because there's, you know, fear has a place in our lives. Um, And so when we meet her, at the top of season two, she still doesn't is living without her fear in her head, but she's man managed to kind of balance it and master it. She's found kind of um a nice, kind of happy medium. Um, but it's the absence of fear has allowed her to be dating a demon that she doesn't realize is a yeah. demon, right? <laughs> yeah. So we knew you know her arc needed to include wanting to put her fear back in her head, and then once she did, letting that be the thing that starts giving her these little like red flags. Like there are very small moments in that party at Josh's where, you know, she goes to take Gabe's hand and she like has like a little like moment and she thinks it's just like a, you know, a a spark on the, from the carpet, but it's, it's literally her fear being like, no, no, no (laughs) bad decision. Um, And, you know, her kind of having to come to terms with, the betrayal of this lie of this guy that she was, had fallen for. Um, and her, instead of her kind of crawling up into a ball and letting fear take over, her deciding that she's going to overcome that and she's going to do one of the scariest things you can imagine, which is, you know, fall off, face him and then fall off that balcony and kind jump of... Jump
3: off. I mean, it yeah, was off, awesome. Yeah. Like, And we don't know
1: if she would have a test flight before that.
3: Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. that
1: could have been the first one. But yeah, so her her arc was also really you know important and special to us, especially because Tyler leaves at the end of season two. So now she's in charge. So he's you know literally handing over the keys to her. um, And now she, when we see her at the top of season three, you know she's the one who's sort of taken on that that role, um, which is a completely new dynamic for. For her and for the family, mm-hmm.
0: we should probably talk about another big new character this season, which is Josh, as you mentioned. Hot uh, Josh or Evil Josh? Evil Josh. Evil Josh. Have you moved on from
1: Evil Josh? Should you forgive him? Or <laughs>
2: no. there
0: are different opinions. There
2: are different
3: opinions.
0: <laughs> You're still doubling down on he's evil, Pete. Yep.
3: Oh. Wow! Don't oh, trust them. Well, Don't trust them.
2: Let me throw this out to you. Um, Horrible father. I mean, I, I, Jamie I,
3: I, was just running around on her own. I mean, <laughs> oh that poor God. Jamie. There, <laughs> there. Uh,
2: but they, they get together for a fun afternoon at the end of the season. So that's perfect. Uh, so, Josh, uh, you're familiar with the comic book, and in the comic book, uh, we were drawn in by oh, uh, here we go by Gabriel Rodriguez. I can't believe
3: uh, that this is what you're using this time. This, time. Is, we're <laughs> journalists, and this is an important. Uh, Don't say we are question. journalists. Um, in
2: over the course of it, I'm drawn in as a, a someone who goes into the cave during prom, and a rock falls on him. That's the same fate that that Josh befalls. So I guess my question is, Are am I not like Josh? Josh? Yeah. <laughs> it is, it's fine if you don't want to say to, to everyone, but it's like give me a wink, or, <laughs> or nod, or something. Yeah. Well, <laughs> all
0: right. There is a wick. Um. I think while we're on the same note, we should probably ask, uh, Pete gets chopped in half in the comic book, and there is a character who's named Dr. Zalbin, who's pretty crucial. He shows some (laughs) x-rays at one point. Um, Are they going to show up in season three?
1: You know, Netflix has really uh, asked me not to answer Um, any
0: questions. (laughs) (laughs) I really want to
1: know things, right? Yeah, Yeah, of of course. People think that they want to know, but you don't want to (laughs) You
0: episode six it. yeah Would you be bummed if i
1: was like if i was like tyler's gonna create the alpha key and kill jackie wouldn't you be bummed if you knew that beforehand yeah it's yeah. definitely
0: the same oh. level as knowing whether dr's alvin will it. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: unlock dr's oh. alvin um i do have a question about the villains um it feels like in in this season we're with uh we're with eden and and gabe so much and it almost there are points where i i feel sympathy for them as a viewer and i'm curious you know, we're moving into a season where a villain is not as uh fun to sympathize with so far as we know him um but um i'm curious if that was something you guys decided in season 2 as like this is sort of what we like to do from as a as a storytelling device here
1: yeah sure. I, absolutely i mean what was different and fun about season two versus season one is that you're not as much following Dodge in season one. You're sometimes checking in with her, but you kind of don't know what she's really up to by design. She's kind of kept more mysterious, but what was really nice about season two is that uh, the audience is in on the fact that Gabe is Dodge. And so there's a lot of enjoyment, I think as an audience member in enjoyment and and stress stress Stress. certainly stress in watching what they're up to and how they're how they're doing it and also just their dynamic is was really fun for us to to play the fact that you know that eden is this like ruth is this demon who is reckless and i loved her eating habits so good right (laughs) so
3: good she's
1: amazing halea she killed it um but there's enjoyment in just watching the two of them, even when they're kind of bickering, you know, I think like just that they have their own dynamic and they're not these kind of mustache twirly like villains behind, you know, Mm -hmm. that you, behind the scenes. And, you know, we also, one of the first things we needed to decide in breaking the season was, okay, when and how does, is the jig up? Right. Because that how long can we go before there's, frustration in, oh come these fucking people just need
2: <laughs> 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 Pay attention! Oh, and yeah. it's a
1: tricky, really tricky sure, thing, yeah. right? Because so you, you want the enjoyment as long as possible for the audience mm. to be like, oh, she doesn't know. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, your characters risk just looking dumb. Um, so, you know, we landed on just the midpoint of the season. Episode five is when everything would, would kind of come out. But until then, we knew we wanted to have this dynamic where we could go back and forth to see what they were up to um, and so that was, that definitely was a change from season one, but it was fun. fun to be able
0: to I like love that. that decision that you made to just yeah. pull the lid off halfway through the season because it yeah. just blows everything up in such a oh, big yeah. way. And, uh, you know that it's a big one when I think you wrote that episode and then Carlton directed it. So you're like, yeah. Oh, the two showrunners, big, <laughs> something's big going on in this episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What is going to be a
1: filler, a filler,
0: <laughs> yeah. <on>. Just <laughs> like a popping of... around, having a little bit of fun. Yeah. Uh, What is, I mean, now that you're three seasons in on this thing, what is the working relationship between you and Carlton like? Like, do you take on different jobs when it comes to the episodes, when it comes to production versus post-production? How does that break out?
1: I mean, there there isn't like a very specific delineation of duties and every day is kind of different. I mean, he, as he has throughout his career, runs – develops multiple shows at once. So I'm sort of, you know, full-time lock and key is my baby all day, every day. Um, I am developing other things, but I have been primarily focused on lock and key
3: for the last three years, two and a half years. You're doing a great job raising your babies.
1: Thank you. (laughs) you. So you know, that's not to say he's not involved in, in almost everything. And, you know, there are things that, uh, I, that he is just more skilled at, that, uh, like he's excellent at VFX notes, having, you know, done that a lot in his career. And so there are things that he sort of will take the more the reins on more so than me. I would go up to Toronto a lot more before the pandemic. I was able to go up a few times during the pandemic. Um, um, but you know, it's every day is a little bit different, but I mean, in terms of story and scripts, he and I are, you know, it's 50, 50. We're always like, it's though that's our, you know, we, we both give sort of equal amount of time to, to stuff like that because it's important to both of us, but, um, and same with editing and stuff like that. So every day is a little bit different. Um, but we're very much, it's very much a partnership and it's the best, it's been the best working partnership I've ever had, and oh, um, he's he the best. He's officiating. I'm getting married on Saturday, and he's officiating my oh, wedding. Congratulations! Oh, congratulations. Oh. That's so
2: nice. He's oh producing the VFX for your wedding. <laughs> that's really cool. <laughs> I'm actually sparkle. not even going to
1: be there. It's just going to be a hologram of
2: you. Smart. Do you we safe. got
3: stuff to do. That's amazing. Uh,
2: uh, while we're on the sort of uh, shared um, uh, writing process, um, which how much time do you guys dedicate to putting the chowder mentions in each episode? <laughs> yeah. well, like, Big part of the process. Oh my God.
1: I cannot tell you also how excited I was that you, that you found all our chowder references. That <laughs> started as like a writer's room inside joke where, you know, we were just talking about the town of Matheson and we really love like, wanting Matheson to feel real like you know I think like getting giving it a sense of place and for I remember early on in season one Carlton was like well you know these places always have these like wars in town like you know like between different bakeries or different coffee shops sure, yeah um and like you know and like in Philly Pats and Gino's the different yeah, um Philly yeah. cheesesteak places so he was like I think there should be two dueling chowder places Bills uh, and so- <laughs> and then we kind of started that as like a little runner with the Jackie Tyler story you mm. know it's just like a little meat cute thing Um I actually for the writer's room season two I had made little koozies for Bill for like with a logo of Bill Chowder on it and on the back it says Phil's is trash.
3: (laughs) 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 Oh damn that's amazing.
2: I
1: appreciate that you found all the like little I the little references to uh it's like there was that one in episode seven uh, to have the bad chowder. That yeah, they had, yeah, they realize, had bad chowder. Uh, right.
2: My favorite is the very off-camera conversation during Winterfest. this so I was <laughs> just having a multi-line conversation about the chowder. That I'm like, that's Yay! there. That is there. <laughs>
1: we have actually a whole backstory about these guys because there's also... So the Wheeler sisters' gin, which is, which is the gin um, that... Ellie gifts Nina in season one. Oh, right, and he, yeah. He drinks. Um, mm-hmm. She says it's the Wheeler Sisters Gin. It's a little distillery here in town. Uh, so we have a whole backstory where Bill and Phil um, are brothers, and and Bill stole the chowder recipe from his brother and oh his own chowder place so there's really like a deep family now I place.
3: want this show up. they're
1: married to the Wheeler sisters who own <laughs> the distillery so oh. there's just oh, wow. so much tension in and downtown like oh man yeah what
3: and you, is this like what you're stepping into on Saturday? Like, is there a big like family of uh, the filmmakers? chowders? Yeah, yeah, I think
1: so. Yeah, they all yeah. get together on Sundays and they have their, you know, Bill brings his chowder. Phil brings his chowder. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone feels like they have to take a taste of both because otherwise yeah. you're upsetting one. Yeah, exactly. you know, I'll tell you what,
0: that's but, too much chowder. That no you. way.
3: <laughs> no way. Yes, yeah, never way. too much chowder. Yeah, that's no that's much much chowder. Chowder. no joke. I had chowder. I had chowder
2: for lunch today. Legitimately. not Very randomly. So, uh, I'm a little I mean, upset
1: that no one's having a splattering cocktail right now.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's right. Oh my God, we forgot little... about that. Pete. I know, I was waiting uh, for
1: your finale, your finale episode. I was like, are, are they, are they <sighs> really drinking it? I don't
0: know. Oh, that's <laughs> right. All right. We'll We're going to have to tape it up. We'll use some splattering. Pete makes <laughs> the splattering and then we'll, we'll, we'll tape that. We'll tape that after this. Um <laughs> I don't know. I know you said you really can't really talk about season three, but there are so many big changes that are coming up. One that I thought was really interesting that you left off at the end of the season is we've got this Lucas echo wandering around at this point. How much does that change the dynamic that he now exists as not a person, but as an echo in the world of lock and key?
1: Um, you know, you'll find out very quickly in season three, um, what Lucas is up to. Uh, We really chose to focus on the family and the new family dynamics that exist because of some of the events of the end of season two, like Tyler leaving, like Kinsey being placed as kind of the head of the, the family, like Nina potentially being memory keyed. So, you know, we're not as focused on I would say the the lucas of it but you know we do give you an ending to his story Mm. um but uh there's not as much lucas in season three
0: okay uh what about when you're talking about it also felt like
1: his story felt very complete to Mm. be honest like i mean certainly there are ways we could have gone with it but also we you know we didn't want to be redundant and a lot of his story you know going back from season one and it just felt very complete to us. Um, So instead we kind of chose to focus more on these kind of new family dynamics.
0: Yeah. Well, speaking about family though, are we potentially going to see more of a family connection between hot Josh and captain Frederick Gideon? (laughs)
1: Well, again, nothing is accidental in our show.
0: So, Indeed.
1: you know, Hot Josh did. Uh, I hate that I'm not going to. Why are you having me call him that? Yeah,
3: We've, no, made, so, We've made that the say real. It. Yeah, you can say, you know, not a good father, Josh. You know, anything <laughs> you want to put on Josh. He's got you go a right granite
2: ahead. jaw. It's just yeah, like you, you could cut onions on that on. thing.
1: It's amazing. I mean, Nina clearly has a type, right? I mean, (laughs) Tech and Brandon Heinz next to each other. Um, No, I mean, we wanted to introduce him for many reasons, not just because we really wanted a love interest for Nina because she's someone who deserves a new beginning and new love. But we thought it would be interesting for him to have some tie to the mythology also. So that, you know, again, it's like this theme of like being able to right the wrongs so from generations past and, you know, all of that, I think, just gives the story so much more depth. So, so yes, you will, you will see more of that in season three.
2: Will we see how the, the hotness develops from uh, Revolutionary? Because I will say it wasn't super there in Revolutionary War times.
1: Uh, no offense yeah, I mean, to our
2: future villain here.
1: Yes, yeah, so I think after generations and generations, I think he's been molded into...
2: Yeah. <laughs> evolution, a natural hotness <laughs> evolution.
0: Yeah, Uh, I don't know how much you can speak to this necessarily and not to look too far ahead, but are you looking beyond season three at this point? Are are you working on potentially a season four or five or are you seeing where season three goes and then looking at it from there?
1: Uh, We're not actively working on anything beyond that. I mean, you know, these are characters we love so much and there's definitely story that I feel we could tell with them beyond, but I think it's a little bit, like I was saying earlier, there's something nice to be gained from being able to watch all the episodes and, and also, you know, hear feedback, you know, and just how they're landing. It's, you know, even, I haven't seen these the season two episodes. I hadn't watched them in like six months. And so now I re in, even in rewatching them, there are new things that come out to me that say, Oh, I would love, you know, You know, this little piece, it's great that I'm glad we're doing this in season three because it's something that, you know, in rewatching it it feels like naturally begs to be answered or dive more into. So I think there's a lot to be gained for taking a breath because we haven't had really one from from story from the storytelling and, you know, kind of seeing where we're at and seeing where the story
0: might want to go. And I know this isn't exactly your department, but are we going to have to wait another year to see season three, or perhaps will it be sooner than that?
1: It's not my department. I'm sorry. That's a Netflix question. I mean, I hope, you know, I will say uh, visual effects take a long time, Yeah, particularly ghosts. Uh, mm-hmm. spoiler alert more ghosts in season three. Nice.
3: All right. I mean, speaking I
1: I of
3: that, <laughs> speaking of ghosts, I really love the kind of like, um, you know. The way the ghosts kind of play Gabe was such a fun reveal. Like there it was, it like so well done and such a kind of like revert, like reserved ghost move that I thought it was really <laughs> uh, very smart and cool. We we're talking about oh, little things, so I just kind of wanted. Oh,
1: to thank you. Yeah, I mean, well, the Sam Lesser arc is also like our writers' room collective, like one of our favorite things about the show, and and oh, also from awesome. the comic, and uh, so. You know, even though it's a small moment in the season and we only get to see Sam twice in the whole season, we love being able to kind of touch in with him just to kind of keep him alive. Yeah. um, Even though he's very dead. Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Are we going to see more of Sam and Chamberlain hanging out just like? Being buds in the graveyard. Oh man, that sounds fun. Spin off buddy Um, comedy. Oh,
1: but yeah, I know. What do those two guys talk about all day? (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) That's
2: what I'm curious about. Well, and that's what talking about the ghosts being there and just sort of the expanded Keyhouse universe. It just reminds me of like being a kid and having like the map of the fun world where you can be like over here's where this happens over here's it. And I yeah. love the ever expanding version of that. You guys, have-
1: I know it's yeah. fun. Right. And I don't think that like, cause I know you're like, why don't they just use the ghost key and go ask Chamberlain all the things. I don't mm-hmm. think he's all knowing of all the things. I think he has specific knowledge about certain things. Like, you know, he knows how keys are, he's our maid he knows what happened with Rendell and his friends 25 years ago but I don't think he's and I we wouldn't want to play him as just like this all-knowing like just come and ask me all the questions and I can tell you um and we liked giving him that turn of like he seems like such a nice old man oh, oh what a naive old man, what a silly <laughs> old man. Why, don't tell that don't tell that boy how to make a key yeah exactly and that gay would come back and he'd be like I see that parasite, motherfucker.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you think That's I'm so the, great. My first day is a ghost? You don't even know the stuff I've seen.
3: Yeah. Um,
0: I know we're going to have to let you go in a second. So again, not to plumb you for too much information about season three, but is there a character that perhaps we should keep our eyes on?
3: And is, it Gracie.
0: <laughs> is it Gracie. Gracie the car. The
2: car a character. Oh, cool.
1: Is there a character you should keep your eyes on? Um, so, you know, I said how there is, the, the, the town of Matheson, we really, is important to us to kind of build out and so the different people in town, you know, even like Matuku before it became a demon and just like <laughs> to give the fabric of the town, there's a character that we introduce um, in episode two Uh, with Nina, who's named Gordy Shaw, who uh, Uh, is uh, kind of funding the theater. Yeah. Um, And I'll just say, once again, nothing is random in our show. Everything is purposeful. Um, So, you know, he used to be friends with Rendell uh he knows him from back in the day so again nothing is random in our show so that's one character i mean all the characters gideon all of these you know all of our characters are super important but uh there's a reason we introduced that guy Man,
2: that's great that scene was i was like this is there's
0: a lot here
2: for a little (laughs) random from a little thing yeah
0: Yeah, that's very exciting. Meredith, thank you so much for coming on. Congratulations and on getting married. Uh, I hope
3: Saturday is an amazing day for you.
1: Thank you. Technically, I will say as a little disclaimer asterisk, we did. We got married. We eloped in our backyard last year uh, on on the same day because we couldn't have. Family and friends, because we were sure. in our surge here in Los Angeles. Carlton also officiated that one. Oh, <laughs> oh wow! wow. So I keep telling him he gets like a rewrite now. And then, <laughs> and,
2: and,
1: and, second draft so he's very kindly officiating again now we get to have the party so i say uh-huh. i'm having a wedding getting married where it's technically i guess a vow renewal ceremony on the well the pressure's
2: off true. though that's the best part i know yeah, yeah it's you just already done. Fun. Just fun. Uh, yeah. you mean you just,
1: i can't i can't back out that's,
0: a tough <laughs> yeah, that's, that's <laughs> tricky uh it's a little I know, tricky you might
3: yeah. have a key for that no
0: And for all of you out there, if you want to support our podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to broadcast on YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about Lock and Key. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Lock and Key Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, keep it locked right here.